On this episode of the Dudes and Dads podcast, we talk with our friend Sean McCrindle about kids facing significant challenge. You're listening to the Dudes and Dads podcast, a show dedicated to helping men be better dudes and dads by building community through meaningful conversation and storytelling. And now, here are your hosts, Joel DeMott and Andy Lane. Andy. Joel. Dude, I had a fantastic Sunday. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad Fantastic to hear. Sunday. Uh, for those of you that don't know, we record on Sundays. You'll hear this on a Tuesday, but it it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's a Sunday now. It's a Sunday now, and I need to share a few jo- a few joy points with you. Sure. Let's start off with first. Uh, had a great day. Uh, great day at church today with my friends over at Restore uh, okay. Church. Community Church was great. It was fantastic. All right. Uh, number two, I went sledding. That's always a fun, a fun time. Yeah, sledding. I sledding. Did you stay warm when you? I did. When you, you were sledding, see, guys. <laughs> we'll put it. We'll put, have to put a picture. We'll put a picture up uh, on the socials later of what what I did to uh, to protect myself from the okay. elements. We did, we got a balmy high of fourteen degrees out here today, so you did want to you did want to bundle up, right? Uh, I did the full rabbit hair Mad Bomber uh, hat. Okay, which makes me look <laughs> it's a little cousin Eddie like out there. Um, and then all, and then my, uh, my hunting bibs and uh, sure. coat, uh, I was, so I was in full camo out there sledding as also provides a little bit of extra uh, padding when you wipe out. But the problem, was it snow camo or was it like it was, tree camo? No, no, it was tree camo. So my, my camo did the opposite effect. It, it made you very visible. I am the most visible out on the snow. All right. Yeah. I look Sounds like, good. like a, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just uh so that was that was fun did some sledding and then uh to really cap off uh, just before heading over to the studio here to cap off my day the uh the lions won yet another playoff game and we're excited about that all my lions fans congratulations hey those down in the 313 congratulations uh bob seeger was at this game really yeah that's inter- I- yeah who knew who knew I didn't uh, know he the, was a Lions fan. All the, well, he's a Detroit guy. It's all the all the Detroit greats uh, were there. Uh, Jeff Daniels too. <laughs> oh, yeah, great. you know all the the classics. So anyway, uh, I, I'm in a especially good mood today. Was just filled full of all kinds of goodness and got a got a Costco run into today as well. Which, well, bless you. And everyone knows that uh, ate lunch at Costco. Costco pizza, guys, come on to feed a family. I got a Costco pizza for right. under ten dollars. You. Come on. You, you can't beat that. <laughs> you cannot beat that. So uh, really, uh, in totality, I mean, when you're adding all those things up, that's, the, that's a recipe for a fantastic day. So uh, how are things with you, my friend? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, I was Before we came over, I was watching the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Since my Eagles are out. Mm-hmm. I mean. Fly Eagles. Gotta, yeah. Fly, oh. gr- yeah, yeah. I, not, not fly today. Not flying. More dying than flying. Sorry. But that being said, uh, I was watching the Chiefs game since my family's a Chiefs fan. Yeah, you're one of those guys like like me. Like I'm a Detroit Tigers fan when baseball season comes around. The rest of my family are a bunch of traitors and follow the Guardians. Uh, do you feel similar? Do you feel like the odd man out amongst your family? Uh, I mean, I, yes, because they all hate. They don't. They're like they're a terrible team. Blah, 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 blah. They're right. terrible people. And yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, they whatever. they call they they even like throw out like. Uh, 
the like the morality of the team as well. Yes, that's that's what they have done. And, that's and it, deep. That's deep. Yeah, it hurts. It hurts right here. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, we have a we have an awesome show today uh, with our friend Sean here. But but first, I want to remind you that this show is supported by listeners like you. We could not do this show without the financial gifts that you guys give to us. It keeps us going, keeps the lights on, keeps mm. the heat on in this cold day. Yeah. Uh, but but also for all of the technology that we have to feed. All the stuff. All so, the things that we do to make this show happen are supported by listeners like you. And if you want to join, you can go to dudesanddadspodcast.com slash support where you'll find all of the support options available. Yeah. That's great. Dudes so, and dads. Thank yes. you. Support, supporters. Do we... What should we do? We actually have an official name. We never do. Some podcast du- duties. No, that, du- sounds, that sounds terrible. Let's not do that. No, we're not calling you duties. I've got, no. Yeah, I've got a, uh, I've got a, uh, a comedian I follow, uh, Dustin Nickerson. Oh yeah, he does the podcast. Don't make me come back there. Mm-hmm. Uh, which the the logo is he and his kids, and then it's like he and his wife in the front seat, and his kids riding in the back, and it's like don't make me come back there. And then they call their fans, their supporters. Uh, uh, I think. Uh, Backseaters, I think oh, that's what they nice. call them. Yeah, <laughs> nice. So like backseat drivers or whatever. Right, right. Anyway, I got you. Okay, so we'll have to work on that. If anybody out there has a recommendation for what we should call the community that supports us, and it has to be nice. It has to be yeah, and clean, than, family clean, and better than duties. Because that's not that's not a, that's not a good one. <laughs> love, we love your we love to hear your recommendations. Well, hey, uh, yes, thanks everyone. Um, we're super excited this evening to have our friend uh, Sean McCrindle on the show. Sean serves as the president and CEO. Yes, president oh, yeah. and CEO. Oh man, I didn't get double titles with my job. I feel like I, I feel like I, uh, I missed something there. But yeah, Sean serves as the president and CEO of Basher Children's Home, located here in beautiful Goshen, Indiana. Um, and uh, he's a friend of mine. He's a colleague. Sean and I were fortunate enough. We get to spend a fair amount of time together. Actually, we we sit on a round table every month together. We talk about CEO things, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> which which and, we, and I should say we have we have a lot of it's not just like business. It's a lot of personal. Right. We share life together and yep. and I've gotten to know Sean in that way. And it's been really, really good. So I've, I've just been over this last year. I felt really fortunate to spend that time so sean thanks for joining us this yeah, evening good to be here yeah so sean we um you know when thinking about um we, you know, we talk a lot about obviously this is the dude you know andy and i being dudes mm-hmm. and dads and having kids and and you yourself uh as a dude and a dad uh we always like to sh- start the show off by uh asking about the dad stats so mm-hmm. tell us about your family, your kids, where you grew up, where you went to school, all the stuff that you want to share with the internet about uh, you and your family. Yeah. We'd love, well, to, we'd love to hear it. Well, it's, you know, my family is amazing. Um, you know, I'm, obviously I'm biased. Probably most <laughs> of you guys are too. But, uh, you know, it starts off with my wife, Shelly. Um, she and I had met up in college. We actually both went to Goshen High School, but didn't really know each other and met through mutual friends. and. Uh, you know, I kept uh, trying to set her up with my friends because I thought she was an amazing person. Sure. And then one day I realized, why am I trying to set this <laughs> yeah, woman up no. with anybody but me? That's right. You know, so, That's right. Uh, you know, a mere seven and a half years later, I wore her down and <laughs> we got engaged and got married. And we this year will be 25 years. Nice. Which is awesome. Nice. And we have uh, two kids, both in college at Purdue right now. Uh, Liam, who's a senior at college and 
Kara, who is a sophomore, and uh, both what, of them are. What are your kids studying down there at Purdue? He's uh, he's graduating with mechanical engineering, yes. and she's studying biomedical engineering. Yeah, so I'm glad to know they'll be able to support you guys in your old age. That's really All the key. I know is thank goodness for my wife's genetics. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know that didn't come from this guy. They were like, so. they were <laughs> They were they were just like dad. We've seen we've seen the, what social work has done to you, and we're just That's right. we're, we're heading in a different a different <laughs> yeah. direction. You know, it's interesting because uh, fair amounts of times throughout our lives, Shelly and I have looked at each other and said. I don't know what couple got our kids, <laughs> but they've got to be going, what went wrong? We're such great, smart people, you know? So yeah, no, they're a great family. Our kids are just amazing. You know, um, I, I think, well, everybody's always biased about their kids and, uh, but, uh, you know, really I can, I can say there's lots of points in my life where both of my kids have taught me huge life lessons mm-hmm. at critical times. Mm-hmm, and yeah. still to this day, I mean, we just, you know, when they were home for this, the Christmas break, we got to do a week's vacation together, climbing around rocks and kayaking and stuff, and just a great time. And, and when you have kids that you can actually go like, I like being around them. Exactly. It's That's pretty yeah, cool. Exactly yeah. right. Andy and I talk a lot about, you know, in, in kind of any of our parenting journey, that really what we are is we're raising adults that we want to hang out with, yeah. right, mm-hmm. when they get when they get older. And I think that's, when I see families that are older that have kids about your age, and it's mm-hmm. like, they just can't wait to spend time together yeah. and they look forward to that. And it's life giving yep. like that is the, I think it's just the sweetest thing. I think it's, mm-hmm. I think it's a, a win and chalk it up to a victory in the old parenting category. We're like, I raised, I raised adults that I, I want to spend yeah. time with. Yeah. I want to be yeah. around. They don't, yeah. just, they don't, uh, you know, drive me up the wall. So that's, that's good on you. Um, so Sean, you have now, uh, You've obviously been in the been the area that we live in here in Goshen and Elkhart County for for a time. You've worked for Bashard Children's Home for a total of twenty eight years. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, been the CEO for how many years now? Are you uh, two and a half? Yeah, or two so. and a half. Yeah. And and so prior to that, what sort of roles did you? Uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing Sean's a real, you know, he likes to climb the ladder. Um, yeah. It was mm. probably a clear. Uh, yeah. It was, it was a set out plan <laughs> from yeah, the sure. beginning. I'm sure. I'm sure. But yeah, what's, I mean, what is kind yeah. of what, what roles have, and sort of things have you done while serving at? Yeah. Children's so Home? it's interesting because um, when I had graduated from my undergraduate, I was initially planning on going right on to graduate mm-hmm. school, but through an internship realized I, I was going down the road of being a psychologist, realized that wasn't really the thing for me. So I thought I needed to pause a little bit. So I came back home to this area and, uh, you know, applied at Basher. I told the guy that was interviewing me that I'd be there about exactly one year. I was going to be moving away. Um, and he laughed at me there <laughs> and at all three of his retirement parties, which he finally fully retired <laughs> after 50 years. Um, and so I started as a second shift direct care staff in one of the residential programs with uh, younger guys. And um, it just got under my, into my, into me, you know, mm-hmm. like I realized that there's a lot going on with these young guys and, and most of the kids that I've worked with, but at heart, we're just really not all that different. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the thing that happens with kids who've had a lot of crazy things happen in life is at some point it becomes really risky for them to believe in their future and have a hope for their future. Yeah. And so acting like a fool is easier than acting mm. like somebody who might believe in yourself or believe that you can have a chance in life. Yeah. And so they choose that path until they have an opportunity to see another one. Yeah. Yeah. So 
when you're going to the residential situation, you know, um, I, I think, you know, obviously there's some, the challenges there that you, that you mentioned, what sort of, if you're thinking about like skill sets that you, that you needed to succeed, cause obviously you stuck with, you stuck, mm-hmm. you didn't leave Basher, you stayed yeah. there, you stuck with it. Yeah. What, thinking about skill sets and abilities to, to succeed in that environment, what, what would you, what would you name? What would you say was, was essential for that? Yeah. So I think uh, really when it comes down to it, when you're starting any of this stuff, you know, if you're going to be working with kids, you got to know where your values lie mm-hmm. and, and you got to be strong in those. Um, but you also have to get to be able to, to be a person who can ask more questions than, than make statements. Um, I think if you're going to get somewhere with kids, even your own kids, you get a lot farther if you're willing to ask them questions about things rather than tell them about things a lot. Absolutely. And, and so yeah. I think that, that that's one of the things I think kids have, have taught me over the years. But I think knowing where my beliefs lie, where my values lie, was important for two reasons. One was because a lot of times, even kids with a lot of trouble, their values and beliefs matched up with mine a lot more mm-hmm. than I would have thought. Interesting. And then the second thing is, is sometimes my values and beliefs, if I were, if I wasn't aware of how those came into play with kids, could cause problems and friction between us. Because say one of my, obviously one of my values is you treat women right. Well, mm-hmm. sometimes our kids don't do that very well. Yeah. And, and I would jump in too harshly early on. And I had a great uh, female coworker who said, hey, maybe let me fight my own battles. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and it was a great lesson for me because, one, she needed to to gain that credibility. But the other thing was, is I wasn't going to change that kid's feeling by jumping in there. And um, so I, I think that and then I actually think a fair level of ignorance is <laughs> yeah. key at the beginning of it. <laughs> Not knowing that you're, you know, you're going to go through a lot of roller coasters both emotionally mm-hmm. and, and in other ways um, and just not knowing how tough it's going to be to get close to kids that you see horrible things sometimes happen to. Yeah. Um, that ignorance can be really a blessing at times. Mm-hmm. When you think about um, the, the kids that you guys serve at Basher, and I guess let me first ask this. Kind of paint a picture for us for uh, the the types of services that Basher offer because they are they are yeah. varied and at various levels. Well, and, yeah. and you had mentioned you know children's home, but what what else do you guys do? Because yeah, yeah, you guys it's, it's a it's a varied thing. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, I want to encapsulate it because if I went into that stuff, we could be here for yeah, sure, hours and sure. hours. I mean, so quite frankly, Basher serves over a thousand kids a year. Yeah, and our residential site is the most intensive. But it's actually the fewest number of okay. kids. Okay. And so, you know, I think if you think of like a hospital basher, the, the residential side would be that intensive emergency room and critical care unit. A lot of intensive work, that sort of thing. But then we have services where we help kids who are in our in our community schools and struggling there, not not making it there. Who, who the schools can refer to our alternative school. They come in for okay. the day. They're actually going back home at night. Mm-hmm. And the goal is to keep them connected to their school and get them back into their school. We also have a very small foster care program, basically just for our kids who come out of residential. And we have our community-based services, which has 
a huge array. I mean, this is everything from one-time classes to um, outpatient therapy. Uh, we have programs to keep kids from getting into the system, like Stop Skipping, which is for kids who are having trouble missing school, Stop Lifting for kids who shoplift too much uh, or are shoplifting. And then we have a teen court program, which is all run by teens, everything from the prosecuting attorney all the way through. Huge success right there. And then one of the other things that we have that I think is really good in our community-based services is for every family who is going through divorce in Elkhart County and has kids under the age of 18, they go through our transparenting and seasons class. Wow. And the whole goal of that thing is whatever's going on, you both care about your kids. Let's help you focus on them. I, I just, and it's I, huge. Do, I wish more people knew about yeah. that service right yeah. there. Like I yeah. think that right, cause that, yeah. that hits so many families in yeah. a very significant yeah. way. Can, can I tell you a yeah, quick please. story about yeah, it that I think? So years ago when we were first starting this, I got to run some of those classes. And one of the things I would do is while the parents are in the transparenting class, their kids are in seasons. So, you know, we'd have some of the kids who were younger. And a lot of times what we would do is that was big for them. Cause they got to realize I'm not the only kid going through this. Mm. That's pretty big. But I would always have the people who are working with the young kids take them out while I'm I'm doing some classes with the parents, have their kids do sidewalk chalk art, mm -hmm. and they would tell them, don't put any names down, just draw how it is for you right now mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. your family. And then they would come in, and I would tell the parents, hey, we're going to go on break. We're going to go out and walk down the sidewalk. Every parent knows their kid's drawing. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. so... There were parents in there who were terrified that they were doing horrible by their kids who would see pictures that their kids drew that actually were pretty normal. Mm -hmm. Families holding hands, things like that, and they would break down and cry mm -hmm. yeah. because for them, it let them know for the first time, I'm not doing as bad as I thought. Sure. Then there are other parents who were so much in their own hurt that they didn't realize what they were doing to their kids and they'd walk out and they see their kids with a heart that's being pulled apart <laughs> and they mm -hmm. would break down. Yeah. And those families would come in and be like, we need more help. Mm -hmm. and, and so like, to me, I look at that and I say, you know, that's a very critical time for families and for kids. And if, if we can do things the right way, you know, the direction those kids go from there can be hugely impacted, but also just their connection to their family again yep. can really be drawn together. Yep. So you've talked about the residential and mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of a, a smaller group and, and they're, on the Basher campus, you yes. have you have houses that are individual houses that are dedicated yeah. to that service, right? Yeah. So, so like we have a emergency shelter care, which is really designed for kids who are in transition, but also if there are kids who've been kicked out of their house or they've run away from home, they can check in, and there's no cost for that. We just have to work with their parents to make sure that they're okay with them staying for a while and working with us, and that's been a really good thing. And then we have a bunch of other uh, residential programs, everything from substance abuse treatment to um, significant traumatic um, uh, kids who are dealing with uh, traumatic issues, things that have happened and behaviors that result. And then uh, our newest residential program is for girls who have survived human trafficking. Mm -hmm. And in that one, I think um, the. So maybe you can help you can help me understand this because I, I think I, I think I sort of understand but when when I when I drove by your guys' facility shortly after that that place was was built was built out mm -hmm. it there's a stark appearance to it in comparison to the rest of the thing the rest of the facilities that you have mm -hmm. 
kind of describe it to us and then and then why the yeah. kind of the why yeah. behind it so <laughs> excuse me i think the thing that's always the hardest to understand because our brains can't really comprehend it and mine couldn't even after mm-hmm. doing in doing this work at the beginning but the girls who who have been subjected to that you would think that once somebody saves them that they would be like thank you so much i'm so excited about this help and actually they have gone under such systematic brainwashing i mean yeah we don't mm-hmm. even have a good concept of the level of brainwashing that happens with these girls that their first thing is i don't trust anybody i definitely don't trust you i have to get away from this place and many times get back to my abuser mm-hmm. or my pimp or whatever mm-hmm. which makes no sense but if you understand the levels of psychological abuse and trauma that these girls go through um it does so our facility is set up to be as uh to be a secure facility so that that means the girls aren't locked in their rooms or anything like that it means that they can't freely run outside into the community because mm-hmm. if they did their skill set would make them gone mm-hmm. and then you know, once they're gone, they're at real risk for never, never coming back or, or somebody finding them and them no longer being alive. And so we built this really, it's a beautiful facility, really. And, um, you know, the girls help design a lot of things. And in fact, one of the girls who's one of our, we call her our most notorious, but she also (laughs) is, uh, one of our most beloved girls who's been gone for several, several years. We actually contracted her to help us look at some of this stuff because she was so effective at hurting herself and doing mm-hmm. things um, that's, and she was extremely helpful in that. But then we also have outside courtyards and all that with really high fences that are anti-climb fences. Mm-hmm. And they look, um, they actually look really nice to look through, mm-hmm. but then on the side, it, it's amazing how things are so well designed on the side to our parking lot, the wall that is there, you could literally drive a semi into and you would not break through it. Wow. And it's because those girls got to know that nobody can bust in and steal them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's interesting because I think th- that's one of those things that you think of happens elsewhere. Yeah, happens in you know th- yeah. third world countries. It happens you know in, or even larger in, urban centers in Miami, right? Yeah. But not in Goshen, Indiana, yeah. or this area. And yeah, that's that's sad. And thank you for for doing the work that yeah. you're doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'll say this: just to be honest, we didn't think it was that mm-hmm. bad. And it wasn't until we were getting more and more kids in our shelter who were couch surfing and kids run out of places to couch surf. Then they run into places where people expect things of them Mm -hmm. and then they run into danger. And as these kids told these stories, we realized, okay, there's more than we even realize is going on both within our community and then traveling through our community and within the state. And so we really tried to work with other facilities to help get these girls the help they needed but both our kids and those places said, you guys know as much as we do. You wow. need to jump in the game and do this. Wow. Yeah. And so that's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. So, and again, and then, so we've, you know, the trafficking side, the residential side, mm-hmm. the, ed- the education, the education side. So you're running an alternative school mm-hmm. with it within on your campus as well. Yeah. Uh, grades ranging from kindergarten all the way through. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting because, we used to go fourth grade through, and then as the schools kept asking us, how about third, how about second, how about, when they got to kindergarten, we were like, seriously, you need us for kindergarten? And they were like, they were in a position of deciding whether they were going to expel K 
kindergartners or not. Wow. Yeah. And we were like, really? And then those kids promptly showed up at our place, bid our teachers, just like, you know, they were doing. We're <laughs> yeah. going, okay, we yeah. understand yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. our, you know, there's a lot of difficulty schools deal with, but it's nice that we, it's good to be able to be there. And our, our community schools try really hard with these mm-hmm. kids. And um, that partnership has been good because they, they really see the importance of us doing things, but also the importance of them being able to get those kids back into their schools. So I wonder um, if obviously this, um, the, the stories are um, unique to each kid and, mm-hmm. and kind of where they come from. If you were able to kind of paint um, with broader brushstrokes, like the circumstances that are contr- that you that you guys identify that are contributing to uh, the students that are finding their way, um, and I guess we can even start with just the alternative school, like mm-hmm. the students that are finding their way into your into your services. What what challenges are they facing, or what in what atmospheres are they in that maybe um, that that might probably overlap with kids that are mm-hmm. that are kids that are also staying in the schools. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's clearly they have responded to something different differently though. That something different has happened mm-hmm. in their life. What are the sort of the things that contribute to yeah, that? Yeah, you know, and I can say this: there there's kids from varying backgrounds. Like we always tend to think it's kids from certain backgrounds that that run into these challenges. But sometimes you have um, kids who are who have uh, very loving families who who care about them a lot, but there's been some trauma that's happened mm-hmm. or some things that have been really difficult. And so as the kids' behaviors become more and more problematic, th- there are times where the family just realizes, okay, if I don't do something different with my kid, yeah. uh, my kid's going to end up getting expelled from school. And so we we have kids that come in where their parents are working with the school on that. And we have kids who come in whose families are kind of chronically homeless. Um, and so they aren't in a particular school system for very long periods of time. And they bounce and bounce. And once you get really behind as a kid, if you have two choices in class to look stupid or be a problem, it's easier to be a problem mm-hmm. in front of everybody than look stupid. Mm-hmm. And so our kids will act that out. And some of our kids, you know, really come from a lot of uh a lot of substance abuse within their family and you know that that's hard mm-hmm. um especially with you know a lot of the stuff that's out there now it puts kids in bad positions it puts them in positions of basically being in control of their own lives at really early ages and we all know that that doesn't work out real well but also puts them in situations where they're around some particularly dangerous people sometimes and so those kids both like going to school because it's one safe, stable place, but then they have real trouble at school because they're used to doing whatever they want everywhere else. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's a lot. Of, I think a lot of what we see are, you know, families who've had some difficulties have kind of that chronic homelessness side of things, a lot of substance abuse issues. And then we do see a lot of families, a lot of boys um, struggle with a complete father absence or um, positive role, male role model. Um, has huge impacts on those kids. They don't realize that, but you can see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, th- this has been a conversation, I think this is a conversation that comes up a lot on our show. Um, and it's definitely close to the work that you guys do. Really addressing fatherlessness. Mm-hmm. Um, really talking about 
the impact that it can make. I, 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 I say this with, with all respect to the families that, um, you know, that are, that are running and trying to operate without a dad, but you know, there's just no, I felt like, like culture for a long time, you know, was trying to say like, well, you know, like the single mom, like she can, she can, she can get by, right. Mm-hmm. She can, she had enough resources, enough support, whatever mm-hmm. I, I and and for all the amazing women and there's story after story after story who, man, just went and got the second, the third job, worked all kinds of hours mm-hmm. and shifts. It made a way for their family to survive. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it was. Just had a had a mindset of like, we will we will we make, will it make through this. this. Yeah, this yeah. Is, yeah. And just set themselves to that. Like, my goodness, uh, how amazing. Mm hmm. We can say that and at the same time say that nothing right. replaces having a father right. in the home. And that's that's for our young men and that's for, well, our, well, for our young women. Well, and not only that, but I think that when you have a, a son, especially, that doesn't have a dad, not mm-hmm. only is he not getting that example, but then he also has to be that man of the house. Yeah. Right. Or, yeah. Right. And, and that's not something that any kid should have to take on. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Such a lot of, I I mean, I can only imagine just the amount in in so many cases with some of the kids that are, that are uh, coming to you guys, just the level of stress, Mm -hmm. just chronic stress that they are carrying with them. Yeah. Uh, feelings of, uh, like having to take on responsibility before they should really have to take on that responsibility. Right. Wondering how how are my parents doing? How are my, I mean, they might be, they might be the ones that are the adult in the room, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of, kind of thing. Um, how, so, I mean, you guys are providing, and obviously, and I, you guys are providing in the services that you do, um, there's a lot of psychological care I would imagine in, in all of this. Um, what, what does a young person who's coming to you, what do they, what is your goal? Like, what do you feel like they need to know and experience and understand to, to move forward in life? Yeah. Well. You know, one of the one of the great things is 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 a part of our agency. We've always had, um, you know, a strong Christian spiritual background. Yeah. And and the great thing is is you know our people know try to shove anything down any of our kids' throats. It's a bad idea, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And so you know we're always trying to offer as many things as we can, and not have it be like we're trying to make you do this stuff. And I'll tell you this, people think would think, and, and it does happen at the beginning, but our kids are not as resistive to that stuff as people would think. In yeah. fact, most of our kids are interested. Mm-hmm. We have uh, kids who go to area churches who are involved in area youth groups. We have a chaplain on campus. And actually, one of my favorite statistics, the only uh, 100% statistic that Basher has, mm-hmm. I love this one. Every kid who has tried to punch our chaplain has gotten baptized. <laughs> now we've had other kids who've gotten baptized too, but yeah, yeah. everyone. So, so my my question for our uh, our you know chaplain who most recently came in was I said I told him that I said you you willing to take one for the team? <laughs> yeah, he's like I'll take two if it gets a kid baptized. So he yeah. was in. You know, that's, absolutely, that's, yeah. that's a good stat. That's yeah, yeah. Good love stat. it. Yeah. You, I mean, you should be maybe got to be more concerned about a kid if they haven't taken a swing. Right, right. right, right. Yeah, it's like, are yeah. you okay? Is this yeah. uh, well? They don't. Yeah. They, you know, the good thing is I always say that's not a kid who's who's apathetic. He's at least mad enough. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's right. I, yeah. And I do think so. For me, you know, kids choose to put in prayer requests, and it's amazing to me. We have something like 1,400 people who are on our prayer request chain who 
who like yeah. our kids and staff put out prayers, they pray for them. But you know, like in my role now, I watch those very closely and I can tell you when something changes for a kid mm-hmm. because it'll look a lot like this. And I remember this one girl had this very specific one several years ago, 16 straight weeks of get me out of Basher. That was the prayer. Week 17 was please pray. Or I, my prayer is that the man who killed my mom knows he's forgiven mm, and that I can realize that I'm forgiven too. Wow. <laughs> wow. So that was week 17. Yeah. So I got to tell her staff, I said, Hey, you know, she's going to be doing better here soon. And they're like, yeah, right. Cause this is a kid who flipped every furniture. Yeah. She was like superhuman. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of weeks later, <laughs> a couple of staff show up at my door and they were like, how'd you know? And I was like, well, I'm just that good. <laughs> and then I told him, I'm like, well, no, actually, I was reading her prayer request. You, you had an <laughs> but and, you can see it. That's, yeah. Like, yeah. So, so how do I know? Yeah, I like, I like the kids start to feel hope for their future and belief in things. But I know that that's also tied to um, grace, yeah. knowing that they're them having grace for people, having sure. grace for themselves, and then also being able to kind of see that side of things where you're grateful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, I had one of the kids tell me one time when I said to him, I said, why are you still making it years after? He said, you just statistically shouldn't be making it. And he said, I got so much more to lose now. Wow. He's yeah. like, I just don't want to pay the cost anymore. Mm. And I was like, that's a grateful person. The hundred mm-hmm. percent you know? living with gratitude is yep. a powerful, it's a powerful thing. Yeah. And you know, you say 16 weeks of prayer. Okay. That's, that is, that's a that's a few months, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. That's four. That's, that's four a long months. time. Yeah. How many of us as adults, when we look at a problem and a troubled kid or a kid who's going through something, are are willing to say are willing to say, hey, I'll go through I'll go through hell with this kid for four months right. if it me- if it means you know it. I, I just think, like, that's why I appreciate what you guys do is that it is it's not a sprint; it is a marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with so many of the kids, but you're, you guys are in a position and you have an intentionality to, to take that journey with them. Mm-hmm. And, and I know like not every story, right. not every story ends, ends as happily as you guys would want to. And I'm sure there's lots of stories that actually in the long term maybe did and you just don't, you don't right. know, right. Right. but you're committed to planting the seeds of hope for, for a better future. And it's a win every time. I mean, right. it's a win every time we do it. Right. Um, so as you've done this, if you've, as you've, uh, if you've, as you've just climbed the ladder at Basher and if, you know, you did direct casework and then you, um, like how many, how many different roles have you, have you held? I think there I, I, you <laughs> know, I never really counted them, but it's gotta be over 10. Yeah. <laughs> and, and here's what I found out was, is like, I, you know, looking backwards, I didn't realize it wasn't that I was so good at anything. It was just, I was really ex- interested in everything. Yeah. yeah. So it was yeah. like, hey, we're going to start this really hard new program that it's like, it's, I don't know if it'll work out. And I'm like, yeah, can I do that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, um, and what I realized in that was that, that, you know, the good thing is, is, you know, God already had the plan. Mm-hmm. He just needed, <clears throat> again, back to ignorance. Somebody ignorant enough to realize they didn't have the skills, but were fortunate enough to be backed by somebody who did, you know? That's good. And, and so, like, yeah, I, I've gotten to be involved. Now, the one thing I've never 
gotten to do as a job and I'm not even allowed to play with is anything in our maintenance or engineering. <laughs> so I get to look at this stuff. I just don't get to touch anything. Nice. In it, so. not, I don't if, uh, I don't know if I've ever seen Sean mow the lawn out there. No. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> no, they they the let lawn. me wash the mower sometimes. Oh, nice. So, that's, yeah. that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Sean, as you've, if you, as you've done this work, if you, as you've had, you know, you've, you've seen uh, the importance of the work, you've seen the dynamics of the work of working with kids that are coming from challenging situations. I'd be interested to know how it impacted your own fathering. Oh, journey. yeah. How, what, what it yeah. meant. Uh, yeah. How it impacted the way you talk to your kids about things, the way, mm -hmm. the way you parented, you're kind of, you know, we always talk about a parenting philosophy. I'm not sure I have a fully baked one yet, you know, like, <laughs> but, but we're trying to get in that direction, right? right. Like a, a framework that we're operating from. I'd right. be interested in what that was for right. you. Well, at some point, my parenting philosophy at its base level was this, try not to set the kids on fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have as much fun as you can without setting your kids on fire by accident, That's you know? Good. Um, good. <laughs> well, I'll say, yeah, I was... I was really taught so much by the kids. You know, I was, so I was 21 yeah. when I started. Shelly and I got married two years later. It was two years after that that we had our first son or our first child, Liam. And uh, so there was a couple of things. In fact, Shelly told me this at one point early on because, you know, she's just an awesome everything. But she's an awesome mom and she's adventurous and all that. Um, but, you know, the as a first mom, it's a first parent and anyway, but especially as a first mom, I think you worry we're doing everything wrong. Yeah. I'm doing everything wrong. And one day, you know, I, did, I guess I didn't really even think about it, but I said to her, I said, look, you know what I do? As long as our kids know without a doubt that we love them mm -hmm. and that we believe in them, we're going to have to try really, really hard to screw them up. Mm -hmm. and, and I believe that like yep. you think about it, like, you can be too hard on your kid or too soft on your kid. But if you are, if your kid knows, not fake, but knows that you believe in them and that you love them, even if you're too harsh on things, sometimes they're going to understand that. And, mm -hmm. and in fact, that was probably one of the other things I learned um, in working with, with our kids at Basher was, you know, I had to truly believe in them. I had to really be interested in relationship with them. Truly had to love those kids. But if I had to fall on one side or the other, my side was always more stern or strong, not mm -hmm. stern in a mean way, but like strong. And it would be immediately be followed up with something that would make that kid know that I was being that way because I believe that they had something in them that was really good. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't going to accept something less than that. Yeah. And so that really fed into my kids. I mean, my, yeah, I, I, I think my kids made my life too easily, easy, Shelly and my life too easy. In fact, there are times where like, shouldn't we be having a little more problems, <laughs> you know? And there's, I think there's lots of things that go into that. Um, large family is wonderful and supportive. And, and so it's far beyond us, but definitely the other thing the kids taught me early on quick story to show just how stupid I was at the very beginning, but that how God gave me a, a great lesson. And that is we had this policy that came out like three, four weeks after I was hired that said, if a kid throws a chemical, you have to physically intervene with them right away. Mm -hmm. Makes sense, right? Sure. Cause don't, now we don't give kids chemicals anymore to do, <laughs> but that was back then. So just me and one kid are in the cottage and 
the kid chucks this bottle of chemicals and I'm in my head going, this seems weird, but I gotta, so I take the kid down in a physical intervention and we get to the ground and the kid goes, why'd you do that? And I said, I don't know. (laughs) And so I said, are you okay? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, can we sit up? And he's like, yeah. So he sat up. And so I kind of explained to him, I said, but now I'm realizing I'm pretty sure that only meant if there's other kids in the area. (laughs) He started laughing and I said, I'm really sorry. And he started tearing up. And I was like, I'm I'm like, oh no, maybe I did hurt him. I'm like, you okay? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, what happened? He goes, nobody's ever said that to me before. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And. So that was the God thing. And it was like my own human stupidity does this thing. But then God's like, I'm going to make something out of it. Right. Realizing that that kid had never, that kid should have been told he was sorry by so many people. And the craziest thing is a couple months later, to one of the female staff who's really hard on female staff, I heard him say, I'm sorry. And it changed her world too, because she never thought that would happen. And so I think in that is saying you're sorry to your kids isn't weakness no it is the only real strength Beautiful. and kids are incredibly forgiving this kid who had this horrible life immediately forgave me for physically intervening for absolutely no reason yeah yeah i love it he had no reason to end it. who am i to him and he forgave me immediately my own kids who love me to death me being able to say i'm sorry and truly be sorry for something is not going to do anything but make their lives better and mine too. Yeah. So you mentioned kind of at the top of the show um, that you, you know, initially when you got out of college, you're like, hey, I'm going to go get my master's right away. And mm-hmm. then you're like, no, oh, maybe, uh, maybe not. And so went to Basher, did that, did that work. Mm-hmm. How, so how long between undergraduate and graduate work for you? Uh, let's see. Probably would have been eight years. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, do you feel like that was the right that was the right move? Like that was for the me. Best? It was yeah, yeah. yeah. I, we we talk a lot on this show frequently about we we've had like gap year discussions. Mm-hmm. We've had kind of I, I think helpful uh, because we we've got lots of families that are listening and they're asking the question about how you know how they should be encouraging their kids one way or the other mm-hmm. in education and things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. I know in my under uh, my I know in my well from between undergrad and graduate work for me was was not I just was a year in between but um but I was an older I, I was a super senior by the time I graduated <laughs> I was a little and was married and you know and yeah, those yeah. sort of things yeah but I, I just I think now so oftentimes um like the value and and I'd be interested in even when you're looking at when you're hiring people and talking about staff the value of getting some real world on the mm-hmm. ground experience. Um, there, there is such a, a, there can be such a rush through the educational process. Mm-hmm. And I know in my, in my time in graduate school, the, the students that annoyed me the absolute most that really got under my skin. And I was just like, you, you're just not, they were not able to co- connect with the educate mm-hmm. the, the graduate educational part the same way because they had not gone and been right. a practitioner like they had not actually been a practitioner right. for a time they had not they had not gotten hit in the face by a kid right. you know mm-hmm. or or you know an elder uh you know, <laughs> or, or whoever right. you right. know they they had not had to have that kind of um you know rubber meets the road experience yeah. a little bit yeah. to help uh, gauge their you know 
yeah, to give some parameters and some direction for their future. Um, I, I mean, would, are you there? Do you think like, hey, uh, yeah. space it out, get some real world experience. Yeah. It's yeah. Va- it's valuable. Well, you know, here here's what I would say. I and, and I guess this comes from my own experience with my own kids. So, you know, both my kids being at Purdue for engineering, you know, okay, yeah, that's a bragging thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get into that, mm-hmm. right? Yep. I told both of them, if you get into this and it's not for you, change your major. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because the worst thing you could do is be in something that's super successful and you're really good at it and you do all this and it pays you too well that you can't really move into something else and you hate it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and I truly meant that. And, and that came from my thing. I was going to come, I was going to become a psychologist because that was kind of the highest paying in right. this helping profession. I realized right. I wasn't like they're in like wonderful psychologists are very, very important. I'm just not that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I got I got to have more different interaction, less testing interaction. And so what I'd say is when you're looking at your kids, step back and assess honestly. If your kids are, are in high school and they're being really successful they don't need you to drive them anymore. Mm-hmm. Like they just don't. Yep. Uh, you've already done your work, you yep. know? And in fact, probably at that time, the best thing you can do is switch gears and be like, you don't have to take yourself so seriously. Yeah. Mm. You're already going to be successful. Yep. Because one of the, I mean, all, we all remember back to high school age. And if you went to college, early college, that whole being terrified of, Am I going to be good enough? Let's face it. You're not going to go anywhere where you're the smartest person ever. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. somebody will, but it ain't yeah. going to be no, me. me either. So I can let go of that. Yep. I'm also not a failure, yep. mm-hmm. you know, and you probably don't have kids who are a failure. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think switching, especially, you know, from junior high to high school age, switching from a parent who makes a lot of statements to being a parent who asks a lot of questions becomes really critical. Yep. Because yep. your questions will bore out your kids' beliefs and their deep values, and that you've already cemented those in your kids. Mm-hmm. And over the long haul, most kids, even if they're kind of going out of bounds a little bit, if they've had the right kind of moral upbringing and all that stuff, good family, outside of drugs, yeah. drugs are the mm-hmm. wild card, man. Yeah. But outside of that, most of them, even if they bounce around, by mid to late twenties, they'll be coming right back into line with mm-hmm. things. Yep. And and so I think we put that pressure on ourselves. And I would challenge us not to look at how other people's kids are doing. Yeah. There you go. That that's gonna I mean that that'll kill oh, everything. Care, comparison yeah. kills you every time. Yeah. 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 And I and I hope for us for listeners uh out there, uh I mean, I, I really hope you hear this from Sean as someone who's interacting with with a lot of kids and has his I mean, has seen I just in 28 years, I just can't imagine all. The, I mean, you've probably forgotten more things that you've seen than you <laughs> yeah. than anything. But like, um, I think to to sort of boil it down to say, you know, the takeaways from your work and what you've seen. I really hope everyone hears. Like, it really isn't rocket science. And in, mm-hmm. in as much as like we just often think, and I and I'm there too. I I have man, I've got it. Like it's a it's a it's a voice that's in the back of my head of like, Hey, I need to keep the accelerator down mm-hmm. with my kid. I need to, to keep, you know, to keep on making sure that they, that, that they're doing their, their best mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. And, 
And I hear, but I mean, and this is what we also know. It's what we know about adolescent psychology. It's what we know about, um, uh, you know, brain development, moral formation, all that sort of stuff. The key building blocks more than likely through adolescence are there, are there, are there as long as they don't get mixed up in, in, in substance abuse, Mm -hmm. which like you said, that's a major wild card. As long as they don't. And they have a parent that really, what you've really, really said, it becomes more of a mentor and coach mm-hmm. to them, mm-hmm. and and less of a less of a uh, guiding each one of their mm-hmm. steps and kind of giving all of this. Um, you're setting up them by and large, setting them up for mm-hmm. for success, and yeah. and that way we can just as parents take a little bit of a breather. So mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, man, Sean. Uh, wow, uh, really helpful, interesting perspectives on things. I think a lot of good experience. Um, but we can never end a show without putting you through the final ringer. And so now it is time for now it's time for dudes and dads pop quiz. Thank you, Aaron James. Appreciate it. Uh, this is where we ask you random questions. You can't prepare for them in right. any, way, any way, shape or form. And uh, we you just, can't prepare for the answer. Oh, also, also, man. That's what this makes, is, that's this what is makes, good. That's what good. makes this podcast magic. <laughs> yes. Uh, Andy, do you got, do you tell me when you're, you're ready with your questions and I'm going to fire mine off. All right. What's your greatest regret? Oh, I went with a regret one. Nice one. My okay. greatest regret would be, and I don't have very many of those. That's good. Okay, so yeah, my greatest regret would be not it would be that I couldn't trick Shelly into marrying me at five years instead of seven. Oh, <laughs> oh not, yeah. And, wow, I feel like the way he answered that is like it's a win. Right. Yeah, I won no him. matter what. That's right, beautiful. Right. That's beautiful. Uh, Sean, if you were, um, if you had a time machine and you wanted to, uh, relive, uh, three significant, uh, events, uh, within your lifetime, what would those three things be? I, I would, and I'm going to pair these together. I would relive both of my kids being born. Mm. Because I've never had a body, mental, it's the realest, spiritual it's the realest reaction thing. like that in my it's life. The realest yeah. Thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so yeah, uh, the second one would be reliving a week before my dad uh, died. He was on a fishing trip with us, and uh, it, my son Liam was on the boat. And my dad could barely do anything mm-hmm. by that point. And my dad catches about a three and a half pound smallmouth bass and reels it in himself, mm-hmm. which was like, mm. he could hardly hold a spoon and we get it in and we're all just excited. And Liam turns to me, just tears flush in his face. And he said, I just prayed God, let him have one. Oh, more. Come, come on. Come on. Yeah. Like <laughs> wow. I could live that all day, yeah. every day. Yeah. That's wow. great. Um, and then, then the, um, I think probably one of my greatest gift joys in my life is a mug my daughter Kara gave me um that that basically the the mug said thanks for um raising me to be a great man even though i'm your daughter (laughs) (laughs) and i was so excited about that because i've always said we don't have different rules for boys and girls in our house yeah and she's a very strong woman yeah but not a not mouthy strong yeah yeah, yeah. she's Mm -hmm. just strong Yeah. yeah and so when she gave that to me it was one of the best gifts of my life that's great all right what is your favorite gadget my favorite gadget would be I'm going to have to say my, what is my favorite gadget? I'm thinking of all the things I play with. 
Okay, probably my favorite gadget is I have like a World War II trench lighter mm. that somebody had built out of a cartridge in World War II. And it's taken me a lot to kind of get it running and going again. So I'd say it's probably my favorite gadget. That's at this good. Point. That's good. Uh, favorite book that you've read in the last five years? Uh, my favorite, uh, the favorite one I'd say would probably be Endurance. It's the story of Ernest Shackleton's um, ship. I don't know if you've heard the story, but they got 1800s got stuck in pack ice, survived for 400 and some days in Antarctica. Amazing story. Wow. Nice. Great leadership story. Um, my last question, which living person do you admire the most? It's a tie and it's all within my family. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I admire both. I admire all three, my daughter and my son and my wife. Nice. For different reasons. Um, my son is probably the best representation of Jesus mm-hmm. that I see. He's just crazy weird how good he is. You know what I mean? Like almost irritating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, my daughter is always a surprise in the depth of her spirituality. And my wife is always an amazing representation of grace where it's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I just go to dinner with my family, basically. That's great. Awesome. That's yeah. great. Uh, Sean, what's the best thing you've eaten in the last year? Mm, well, I can, that's easy for me to answer. Uh, so when the salmon are running into Bering Springs, my son and I always go out and fish. And so there's been times where we catch a salmon, flay it up, butter it and salt it over a fire. And there's nothing better well, than that. That's, that's beautiful. That's love beautiful. it. Love it. You, Sean, congratulations. You, passed. you have you passed. successfully passed flying colors to flying colors. Oh gosh. Sean, I just want to say, uh, from the bottom of my heart, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for being Back here. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for coming out. You guys. We're, uh, we're just so fortunate to have people, uh, like you and the many great people that are at basher doing amazing things in our community. And so, um, as always, we will uh, give you all the ways. Uh, Basher's always looking for uh, volunteers, people to invest in their ministry there and all of that. So we'll make sure over the show notes at Dudes and Dads pod, uh, pod, Dudes and Dads podcast. You'll Jeez. get it right one I'll of these days. One of these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll make sure uh, to send links over there so you can get to know more about them. Um, Guys, we appreciate you. We're grateful for you. Uh, you can head over to dudesanddadspodcast.com for all the show notes, past episodes, future episodes, present episodes. Uh, dudesanddadspodcast at gmail.com. You can listen now to our future episodes. <laughs> you can. You can. Yeah. We've got a time yeah. machine. Uh, it's amazing. Dudesanddadspodcast at gmail.com if you want to send us an email. Ideas for future show ideas, all that good stuff. All that great stuff. All that great stuff. Uh, anything else, Andy? With grace. And peace. Peace. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) Fabulous.